Welcome to Uncontained, episode 123. I'm your host, Aaron Static Render. On the show today, I have a return guest. That's right. Johnny Pena is back. You may remember him from episode 61 of Uncontained, titled Bad Motherfucker. And there's a reason for that. He's an ex-narcotics agent for the FBI, ex-deputy sheriff, and now he is a pothead comic who likes to dabble in kickboxing and bodybuilding as well. If you check out his Instagram, you can see some of his fights and also see him deadlift 500 pounds. Now, this interview, you may hear some background noise because, well, I interview him right before he goes on stage at the Englander in uh, San Leandro. So you'll hear you'll hear some crowd noise, some people coming through and all that good stuff. But his show... Very interesting concept. The first responders of comedy. Made up of him, an ex-narcotics agent slash deputy sheriff, a former paramedic, and a former firefighter as well. All three of them had great stories and great material, and uh, you should definitely check that show out if you get a chance. We'll talk a little bit more about it during the show, and also why he believes police officers and other people such as paramedics and firefighters should be able to smoke marijuana. Yes, so the boys in blue should be able to smoke green. We'll get into that during the show. And uh, why wait any longer? Let's kick this off. Johnny Pena right here on Uncontained. How are you doing today, Johnny? Excellent, excellent. Thank you for having me on again. Yeah, of course, man, of course. And uh, so you have a show tonight. We're talking right before that here at the Englander in San Leandro. And... The concept for the show is actually kind of cool. You want to explain the first responders of comedy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the first responders of comedy, and um, basically what it encompasses is myself, uh, ex-law enforcement. Um, We have an ex-medic, ex-paramedic, and then we have an ex-firefighter, right? And so pretty much the premise is we're all going to share funny stories from the job, um, things that we've been through, and then uh, find a funny way to put a twist on it and make people laugh. You know, I think that there's um, there's a lot of tragedy in these types of uh, um, careers, right? We've all experienced, like, yeah. certain tragedies. Like, the the gentleman who's going to be performing, who's the firefighter, Billy O'Connell, um, he was there for 9-11, right? He's, uh, he was in New York for 9-11? Yeah, yeah, he's a New oh, York wow. firefighter. He's, like, 70 years old. He's also an ex-bookie. He's also an ex-alcoholic. Like, the guy's got some stories, you know? And uh, so it's everybody's going to hear the other side of it, right? The same, the same with the medic. I mean, obviously, you can guess what a medic deals with on an everyday basis, which is people getting fucked up, you know? Nobody yeah. calls the medics unless they need them. Yeah, nobody calls the medic and be like, hey, I have a splinter, yeah. or hey, you want to go, go to a show? Yeah, can you get a <laughs> sticker? Yeah, and then um, obviously myself, you know, Everybody hates cops. Um, nobody calls the cops because they want to call them. They call them because some bad shit happened. Yeah. And so that's pretty much what we're going to talk about. You know, we're just going to kind of like share some stories. And then we'll dive into a little bit of our own personal comedy probably uh, okay. after that. But uh, yeah, that's the premise of it. And I think it's, we're at a weird stage right now in, in society where there's like a dividing line between like public and like public safety, Right. Like, nobody trusts the cops right now. Okay. You know? And so I think, like, we're trying to show the human side of it. You know, the human side of, of public safety that, hey, look, we've all been through this job, and it's not as easy as people think it is. Like, it's actually really hard, and it takes its toll 
takes its toll on you, you know? Yeah, I remember um, in our first interview, you were talking about your experience working for the, was it the DA? Uh, working for the for Bureau of, Narc- Bureau of Narcotic Enforcement. Yeah. Okay, Bureau of Narcotic Enforcement and the coroner's office. Yeah. And, you know, that's some pretty dark stuff. How do you find the humor in that? Oh, you have to, like, you have to think back to, like, each individual, like, scenario. And, you know, routinely when you deal with something like death, yeah, right, the best way to, like, get over it is to crack jokes about it. So, like, if we were out at a car accident and, like, you know, somebody passed away during the accident... We would have to find some way to, like, crack some jokes and make it funny, you know, because that's how you have to, like, you can't just suppress that that feeling. Okay. It's not a natural feeling to, like, see a body all twisted up and bent in half. You know, it's kind of, it's actually kind of awkward, you know? Yeah, I can imagine. Um, So you find a funny spin on it, you know, like... uh, we, we had a car accident where this, these guys got in a, pr- a pursuit from CHP and then they, they wrecked their car and it was a bunch of gang members. And, and uh, one of the gang members, as he was, uh, as they were running, he was hanging out the window throwing gang signs, right? And so as they were wrecking, they flipped over and ejected him out of the car. And so when he died, like his hand was still in that, holding that gang sign. And we're like, man, he held that thing like forever, like to death. <laughs> like that guy was held down, you know, like, that was funny. Like we had to make jokes about it and <laughs> pictures may or may not have been taken, but you know, that's just like one of the ways that you deal with it. So in a way, is it kind of like in super troopers where you're out there joking around on, uh, on duty? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Okay. So that's, that's, I don't know if I want to necessarily say realistic, but like as far as super troopers goes, cause it is a comedy, but how close is it to that? It's, it's pretty close. Like, if you get it, like, when I was working narcotics, I had a team. It was uh, six of us, small team. And we did everything together. You know, we did search warrants. We worked undercover. They were my rescue guys because I was primarily undercover because I looked like a piece of shit. And so <laughs> those are the guys that you count on every single day. But you start building this camaraderie, and then you start playing pranks on each other, like, gluing, like I glued my partner, everything on his desk, I glued it down to his desk. Everything. <laughs> like... I even glued his portfolio holder that he had his search warrants in. I glued it closed, and he was freaking out because he had to go get it signed by the judge, and he couldn't get it open. Like, I glued it shut. <laughs> and then one time he left me at a search warrant. Like, they just left me in a different town. They just thought it was funny, and I had to, like, take a taxi home. Like, that's the shit that we did. It was okay, okay. all in good fun. All in good fun. Yeah, all in like, good fun, like, yes. Well, like, they took my protein powder and filled up all the drawers in my desk with protein powder. Like, everything's <laughs> still in my drawers. Would you say the best prank that you pulled with glue and everything down, or do you have a better prank that tops that? I think, um, yeah, no. So what I did was we had a guy from a, a small agency, uh, Gilroy. Uh, he started with us, and so he was pretty straight and narrow. And so he started in our task force, and he brought two brand-new boxes of business cards that his department had paid for him. Okay. And so I pulled all the business cards out. Are you talking like a 1,000 business cards? And I stapled every single one of them together, and I made um, streamers out of his business cards. And I decorated his office with his own business cards. Yeah. <laughs> so you decorated his whole office with his own business cards? Yeah. Making yeah. streamers kind of like uh, deck the halls with? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a little welcoming party. <laughs> <laughs> all right, perfect, man, perfect. So 
can people expect to hear stories like that during your stand-up comedy? Yeah, they, I, I tell some stories about that. I tell some stories about uh, when we were doing uh, a lot of search warrants and stuff. We were all working out, you know, because like everyone's A-type personality. We had a gym inside of our task force office, and so we were all taking pre-workout. Okay. And it was when pre-workout used to have that ingredient that was like pretty similar to meth. Fenfen or whatever it is that it, people it were dying like, from? It was like a... Dell, methyl, but I guess like a Marine and an Army guy died from it, so they took it. But so the, the pre workout we used was Jack 3D. Okay. And this was when Jack 3D was good, right? When it made your palms sweat, you know? <laughs> and so we used to, we'd be sitting in our van all loaded up, getting ready to do a search warrant, and we wouldn't even mix it like in a mixer cup. We would each just take a scoop and put it in our mouth and then drink some water. So by the time we got to the search warrant, we were just, like, we were high. Like, we were, we were wired out of our mind. <laughs> so when you, like, go to do your search warrant, you know, you walk up all tactically and quiet. We were, like, running to the house, you know, and our commander would, like, lose his shit and tell us, like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? Why are you guys always, like, going so fast and kicking down every single door in the house and so aggressive? It was because we were high. Every single one of us was wired out of our gills. Basically tweaking off of pre-workout. We were all tweakers, yes. <laughs> Tweakers out of our gills, yeah. But you did it legally, so you didn't have to bust yourself. It was for health reasons. It was pre-workout, right? There you go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you could do your job better, right? Exactly. <laughs> very, 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 very clear on our job, yeah. Yes, yes. It's in the description. Yeah. So. <laughs> you don't sleep for a couple of days, but it's okay. You drink, that, you drink through that, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, well, at that time, you probably couldn't make yourself tired with another substance no that no is legal no no now. no I, you know what and, and speaking of that i really think that i hope that uh, the the federal law the federal ban on marijuana gets knocked down like they're trying to work on yeah because i think that cops need to smoke weed like i think that's something that they need to do because at the end of the day after you've you know, try to resuscitate a kid who dies or, or you go to a car accident where people are all fucked up or, or you know, you deal with some tragedy. It's pretty hard to go to sleep at night. So, I can imagine. So what's the, what's the best option? Is you either drink yourself into a, or blackout, right? You drink yeah. until you blackout or, or you take a pill, take some pills and you become pill dependent. Yeah. And, and that's, that is like the, the crippling effect of, I think, public safety. Like it, there's, no, there's no other option. It's either... You're either a pill junkie or you're an alcoholic or you become fucking weird, you know, because you don't take anything. And, you know, we, like I worked with people who like found the Lord and uh, that's a whole another issue by themselves. You a know, whole these different Bible drug. thumper. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think that that uh, cops, especially and like people in medical professions and first responders, I think they should be able to smoke weed. Like I think that it's helped me tremendously, you know, instead of drinking to like go to sleep, you just Take a few hits off your pen and then let your mattress wrap its arms around you and slowly hush you to sleep. Exactly, man. Or take a little bit too much and then your mattress tries to kill you, but, you know. And won't let you out in the morning. It won't let you go, yeah. <laughs> then your mattress tries to rape you. But. Raped by Serta or Seeley. Yeah, those little sheep, those little bastards. It was Once like, you're done counting them. <laughs> it's a gangbang. It's their turn. Bad. <laughs> Now that we got into bestiality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, so, I agree. I never really thought about that, you know, that marijuana would be beneficial for police. 
and other people involved in stressful service jobs like yeah. the paramedics yeah. and stuff like that. So that's yeah. really cool. And you were about to say something before I started saying I don't saying know. That. I don't know. But I smoke weed, so yeah. Marijuana affects the memory. <laughs> that's what they say. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. But yeah, that's what they say. I mean, you forgot your SD card. I don't no. know what the fuck I was going to say right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually had to run over to CVS and grab an SD card to make this happen. And yeah, I got my workout for the day. Yeah, yeah. Jogging to CVS. Yeah, so I mean, I've used uh, marijuana as a, as a way to like uh, not depend on alcohol, you know, um, because that's what happens when you're working law enforcement or for me that's what happened is you start depending on on alcohol to one decompress after some major incident you know whether it's like a shooting or a search warrant or, or something you know i worked undercover so at the end of the day you know i'd have to get my adrenaline down right because i'd be yeah. jacked up from buying dope off of drug dealers and cartel people so the best thing to do is just go to a sports bar and drink you know, 13 beers and have some chicken wings, you know, and then pass out and then get up the next day and do it again. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's, <laughs> I can only imagine the stress of that job. Like with the, all that's going on right now, especially be stressful, like all like the shootings and stuff like that, that are in the media. And what is your view on the way that cops are portrayed in the media right now? Well, I think it's it's two things. I think one, it's the media puts a, a an evil spin on it. You know, it's been it's been proven that they only show portions of clips. You know, which is the worst portion of the clip. Yeah. You know, it's they don't show everything that led up to that person getting their ass beat. You know, they only show the person getting their ass beat from like fifteen different angles. <laughs> you know, and uh, so it looks really bad. And uh, so, and you see that a lot. Like you see that a lot. You don't see the parts where, you know. Um, I just saw a video the other day from Live Leak of a guy rescuing, a cop rescuing two kids from a car that was like sweltering at like 105 degrees. You know, like they're not showing that, yeah. you know, but they'll show a cop punching a person. Punching a person, regardless, I'm not saying that it's right because you don't always need to punch somebody. Sometimes people need to be punched. You know, there, <laughs> there, there was a time when you said, hey, stop what you're doing, put your hands in the air. And people would stop what they were doing, and they'd put their fucking hands in the air. Yeah. And now they just pull out a cell phone, and they put you on Facebook Live, and then they just start talking shit to you. Like, that has to be frustrating as a cop. Like, where's the authority? There's no authority. There's no respect. You know, so I think part of it is frustration. And then I think part of it is just the generations, like millennials in in general. And I'm sure some millennials are going to get really upset with me. But I think that they're they're um, they're weak, right? And uh, you know, so many things have been, I guess, knocked down that they don't have to deal with adversity as much, right? And and what I mean by that is like, like let's say like bullying, right? And I see this with my own kids because I have two teenagers. You cannot, in any way, shape, or form, like bully another kid, which I agree with. You should not bully another kid. But that means just making fun of somebody. Like, if I make fun of you at school, they're like, you're being a bully, and then now I just got expelled for being a bully. Yeah. Word, that didn't even give you a chance to defend yourself, right? So now you don't even have that ability to, to talk shit back, you know, or to try to defend yourself, mm-hmm. or to even get in a fight. You know, when you used to get in a fight, you used to get suspended. Now you get expelled, no questions asked. So now you see these two generations of millennials going up. Some break off and become criminals, and some break off and become police officers 
So now you have these police officers who've never been in a fight, and they've never been punched in the face, you know? And you have these millennial kids who no one's ever talked mean to them before or instructed them to do something with any authority. So one, they're not going to listen. And then two, this cop who has never been in any type of like real fighting situation, he doesn't have that A-type personality, that classic personality, you know, that law enforcement used to have. And so let's say this somebody punches him in the face, he's probably pretty quick to pull out his gun and shoot somebody because it's very shocking to get punched in the face. Like, I know because I fight and I always go into the ring with a plan until somebody punches me in the face and I totally forget what the fuck I was going to do because it hurts, (laughs) right? It burns, your eyes water up, it makes your head ring. And we've gotten away from that. Like, there's no... There's no more street smarts. Remember, like, back in the day, there used to be people would have street smarts? Yeah. There is that. There's, it's not there no more because everything is bad. You can't say certain things. You can't classify certain people. You can't do anything that's deemed as evil or mean. And I think it's starting to have a huge rippling effect. Um, and, and even in the law enforcement, I think that, like, the cops today are a little soft. And I think that they can't deal with with uh, people bad-mouthing them. Yeah. Like, people used to call us pigs and this and that, and you're just like, whatever. You don't punch that guy in the face, you know? And if you tell somebody to get on the ground and he doesn't, you don't choke him until he's unconscious. You just take him and you throw him on the ground. <laughs> like, that's, you just, you get your hands dirty, right? Yeah. And, and I see more and more now, like, on these videos, like, cops don't really get their hands dirty. They just... They just start beating the shit out of people. And I, I don't know. It seems kind of weird. It seems there's two extremes. It's either do nothing or go crazy. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. And I can actually kind of relate that to, like, see, I have a dog. Okay. And when we were training our dog, one thing I heard was, like, you have to let her stand up for herself. Yeah. And, like, because if you stop a conflict every time it's about to start, they don't know how to finish it. Right. They don't know how to either get out of it or like leave the situation or if they have to stand up and fight, they don't know how to do that either. Yeah, no, so, no conflict resolution. So yeah, now these cops being like babied and, and, you know, and also the criminals being babied as kids. Stop me if I'm wrong on this right here. They're, once they get into the situation, they've always had somebody to break them up and pull them apart. And right. now that they're not there that's when shit happens yeah it, it goes bad right it goes really really bad and 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 i can tell you now like i have a, a one-year-old and so um i take my kid to play with other little kids and and my son's there and he's one and there's another little boy there and he's one and the other little boy like grabs my son and like throws him on the ground and and knocks him down well right away everybody tries to jump in there and be like oh no 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 like sorry 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 i'm like it's okay. Let them work through it. Like they need to figure it out. Like my son needs to get up and dust himself off or shove that kid away a little bit, you know, create some space, like let him know like, Hey, you're in my bubble. Don't come in my bubble, you know? (laughs) And, and we don't do that no more. There's no conflict resolution. You know, it's just, uh, everybody's feelings get hurt, you know? And I remember when I was a kid, like my dad used to tell me, if you get in a fight and you don't defend yourself and you just get beat up, then I'm going to beat your ass when you get home. I don't think that happens anymore. I don't think parents tell their kids that, you know? No, because you get human services called on you. Yeah, right? Child <laughs> services, you know? And the beauty of what you were saying about your son at one 
uh, getting pushed down by another kid and like you know let let them settle it is they're one year old they're not really gonna hurt anybody seriously <laughs> like they might cry a little bit but how much damage can a one year old do even to another one year old yeah they're in a ru- <laughs> they're in a, they're on a rubber floor like nothing bad is gonna happen <laughs> to them you know they're just maybe, maybe one might crap his pants that's about it you know but yeah I, I, you know it's it's very interesting the times way everything's kind of going like it just seems like there's so much uh, intervention with everything that nothing's left to like work itself out you know mm-hmm. and so nobody knows how to like talk things out you know it's just a bunch of screaming and yelling instead of like actually developing a dialogue and like talking something out having a good disagreement like debate class remember when they used to have debate class yeah just like the teacher would stand there and two kids would just like just badger each other and talk shit on about subjects they knew nothing about like that was (laughs) awesome that was the best thing oh yeah oh yeah and i I like to argue too much too so and i I would have been really good at that class but yeah um But yeah, well, I'll do one more thing to rip on millennials a little bit, and then I'll move on and start talking about your comedy. Yeah. You know, it's the whole thing with the participation ribbons too. Yeah. All right, it's they don't know how to lose. Yeah. So if eventually later on they're told, "Oh, you lost," they're like, "What? I I I tried. I tried, but trying isn't winning." You know? Yeah. Exactly. And. I can, you know, I can speak to that because my kids are both, uh, they're both athletes, you know, um, my, my teenagers, my, my son and my daughter are both wrestlers. Okay. And I was a wrestler in high school, so they're wrestlers. And, you know, like I tell them, there's no difference between working hard and winning and working hard and losing as long as you worked hard both ways, right? Working hard is the key component there. But I, but I expect them to work hard, fight your way through that whole thing. Even if you're getting choked or, or you're getting uncomfortable and stuff like that, you know. And so the problem now is that they offer these, these ribbons and these medals all the way to, like, eighth place. You know, and, like, I'm like, my kids, you know, if my daughter or my son had a bad day, a bad day at wrestling, which is, it happens. Yeah. They're like, oh, Dad, I, I got eighth. I'm like, yeah, we're not sitting around waiting for that fucking medal. Right? We're not hanging that eighth medal up on the wall, right? One, yeah. two, three, four, that's it, right? Like, at four at the most. Because you're not giving them any type of, anything to strive for, you know? That little kid who's counting knots on the, on the, on the bleachers and barely mopes onto the, uh, onto the uh, um, you know, onto the mat and doesn't give it any effort, that kid shouldn't get a ribbon, yeah. you know? He needs to, like, get yelled at by his dad and... and and he needs better coaching, you know. And same thing with, like, kids that play baseball, you know. The kid that's way out there in left field who's getting butterflies and picking dandelions and letting the ball go over his head. Like, that kid shouldn't get a ribbon. No. You know, he should get spanked and told to get to work. <laughs> He's soft. No, I mean, I'm a very competitive person. Obviously, you've seen my, my, uh, my Facebook and my Instagram. Uh, you know, I, I like to fight and I like to power lift and... I try to instill that in my kids. It's that it, not everything's a competition, but everything is kind of a competition. Like, how are you gonna, how are you gonna succeed in life when the person next to you is competing, even if you don't know it? Yeah. And I say that in my comedy that every time I pull up to a stoplight, the guy who pulls up next to me, we're racing, even if he doesn't know it, we're racing. Like, that's just life. Like, that's a guy <laughs> thing, you know. To me, that's me, and 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 I think that we're losing touch of that. We're losing touch of that competitive edge everybody should get a place at the table no 
everybody shouldn't get a place at the table. If you are not contributing, then maybe you need to do something else or, or work a little harder. Like there needs to be, there's something to be said for working hard. You yes, know? definitely. And, and the benefit is winning, you know? I mean, if I would have competed in that kickboxing match and I lost, but I still got a ribbon, I would feel like a retard. You know, and I know retard is <laughs> not politically correct. You can't say that on my I show. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I'm offended. Yeah. I mean, I would feel a little stupid, right? Like, you can say fuck nut. Oh, fuck nut? Or okay. like, can I say fuck shit? Fuck tard? Um, fuck tard's acceptable. Okay. Fuck, yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. don't say retard. You're okay. retard. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I, I would feel like a fuck tard if I got a ribbon and I didn't win, you know? And my kids are sitting there watching me. So, that was added pressure for me. So when I, I, and that's the first time my kids have actually seen me fight. So taking them there, I was like, man, I cannot get knocked out in front of my kids. Like That'd be rough. How, they'll never listen to me ever again. You know, like where's the scary? I mean, I know I look scary, but where's the intimidation if that big dude just mopped me all over the mat? Exactly. You know, like you go, go to your room, be like, oh, I'm going to call uh, whoever you fought yeah, and have like, him come over. He said, I don't have to go to my room. Yeah, yeah. Dad. Whatever, dad. Why don't you go run a couple laps? You looked a little winded over there on the mat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's my, I, I agree. You know, that, that we need to bring back some, uh, some competitiveness. I think competitive edge. You know, I think everybody's, they feel like everybody should have like a uniformed, you know, everything for everybody, right? Yeah. And in some ways, I guess that's okay, but then where's the competition? Where's the healthy competition? Competition is healthy. We need that. That's how we survived for mil- or thousands of years that the human race has been here. Yeah, who cares if little Timmy gets hurt? Fuck little Timmy, okay? Timmy <laughs> needs the man up. But it's like, how does my tribe beat your tribe over there? And so that I'm more successful in this area, right? It's through competitiveness. Yeah. I, I killed more buffalo than you. You guys suck. You know, now you're going to starve. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go pick Very berries. True, Very Go true. pick berries. You're now vegetarians. You are now gatherers. <laughs> Go gather. <laughs> Go farm. We will hunt. You We're gather. the hunters. You're a gatherer. Yeah. Go pick yeah. corn, man. <laughs> All right, so we're talking about competition here. How do you take that competition and competitive edge and apply that to your stand-up? Well, um, you know, I just, I compete with myself in stand-up. Like, I, you know, com- comedy is pretty competitive, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it's kind of weird because people will bring you on their show and they want you to be funny. But it seems like if you're too funny, it's like, eh, go... I ain't going to invite you on my fucking show anymore. <laughs> Go do your own thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and so I've, I'm starting to see that. You know, I'm still pretty new at this at this thing. And luckily, I haven't run into that too much. Like, everybody I've worked with has been pretty awesome and, and helping me get, you know, get shows and stuff like that, um, get headlining gigs. You know, I'm, I headline the improv, um, and uh, I wouldn't have been able to do that without, you know, somebody like, like Jason Rogers helping me out from American Me Comedy. So, you know, all these things have helped me, but so the way that I've used my competitiveness is like, listen to my videos, you know, look at my jokes, re-look at them, and then now I'm starting to put some organizational um, um, touch to them, you know, and uh, trying to be better than the last set is, is how I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm just trying to be better every single time, and so I record every single one and try to think like, okay, that one was not as good as the last one, or this one was, was better, I'm getting better, you know, so... Um, I think just constantly measuring myself against okay. the last one. 
So are you more competitive against yourself than others? or I think so. I think so because, I mean, everybody around me, I think I would like to see. I mean, I, there's plenty of spaces at the trough, you yeah. know? Um, so I, I would love to see everybody, you know, do great in comedy. Of course, I wish it for myself. Um, but, yeah, it's like it's like with wrestling, like what I tell my kids. You know, it, wrestling's not a team sport. It's two people on the mat. So if you lose your match, it's because you lost against the other person. Not because anybody on your team lost. It's because you lost. Yeah. So if I have a shitty set, it's not because the person before me did bad or the person after me. It's because I did bad and I dropped the ball or I got nervous or I forgot or I smoked too much weed or I drank <laughs> one too many beers or I had a bad day so I just wasn't in it, you know? So I just try to think like, okay, how can I be better than, you know, than myself? Basically, I mean, it's how it is, you know. And then I look at the one thing I do look at is I look at the headliners. Like that, when I perform, and if there's a headliner, I do want to, I do want to try to like get more laughs than the people that are are headlining. That is my goal. It's okay. Like, so. like yeah, I do want to get more laughs than other people, and not that I want them to do worse than me. Like as far as like comedy wise, but if I can get the crowd to like bite on my shit harder. Then I feel like, yeah, okay, like I'm, I'm, I'm getting there, you know. Yeah, and that, I think that's healthy. You know, you're not like wishing that. Oh man, I hope they suck. I hope they bomb. You're like, I hope they kick ass, but I hope I kick ass more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. that's that's my goal. Yeah, I hope I kick everybody's ass in the room. You yes. know, and then, and if you don't make them laugh, you'll just kick their ass literally. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and, 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 and like you know, with with thing like with like hecklers, you know, that's to me that's like the most competitive thing. If somebody starts heckling me. Like my goal is to win against that guy. Do you get heckled much? Sometimes I don't, I don't sometimes. see people really wanting to step up. And it's few and far between. <laughs> it's few and far between. But I've been heckled, and uh, luckily I've prevailed. I did, I did have a guy who wanted to fight me at a, a brewery that I that I did, and then when I told him that I wasn't like, I said, "Look, dude, I'm not like your average comic. Like, I will beat the fuck out of you after the show if you want." And then he decided he didn't want any. But that's to me, that's some real competition right there. If you want to make a mess of my show, then I'm going to try to hurt your feelings while you're sitting there in front of your family and your friends. <laughs> make you wish you didn't open your mouth. Yeah, man. make you wish you shut your mouth and make everybody embarrassed that they're sitting with you. You know, Because there is etiquette going to a comedy show. Yeah, you know? and I get it. You know, I get it that people want to be funny and make their little comments. And, and I'll take it for a little bit, you know, but when you start, like, really derailing the show, then I'll say something. And, and more times than not, I've even... No one's really, like, heckled me, but they heckled, like, let's say, like, the comic before me. Yeah. You know? And, and it's somebody who, who tried their best to, like, stick with their material, but they got derailed and it kind of fucked up their whole set. Then when my goal when I get on set is that guy who heckled him, I'm going to call him out and I'm going to make fun of him the whole time. I'm going to throw my whole set out the window <laughs> and I'm just going to make fun of that guy the whole time, even if nobody enjoys it. <laughs> you will. <laughs> yeah, I'll enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And usually people do enjoy it, you know, because that guy's everybody thinks that guy's an asshole. Yeah, exactly. You know, and like most of the time, most of the time, unless the comic really sucks. Yeah. Like yeah. most of the time, the crowd is on the comic side. Yeah. They don't. They paid to come see the comic perform, and not some guy like talking yeah, about yeah. in the background. You know. It's easier with the crowd on your side. It is, it is. <laughs> and like, I, I, got to, I got to do a guest set with uh, Amir K in, um, at uh, Harvey's Improv in Lake Tahoe. Okay. And so he happened to have a, uh, a heckler 
right? And so I did my guest set fine, and Grant Cotter did his set, and then Amir K went up, and he got this like total racist fucking redneck heckler who was just talking shit because um, of Amir K's you know ethnicity. Yeah, and uh, guessing and, like Middle Eastern. Yeah, 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 All and. Right. Uh, Amir K tolerated it for a little bit, and then he just went off on this guy. He went in on him, and it was great. It was great to see. You know, I was like, yeah, that's what we like to see. You know, somebody who's like a true professional up there, and then just hand somebody their ass, and then the guy got escorted out. So not only did you get your ass handed to you, you had to get walked out. You know, yeah, <laughs> and your friend <laughs> stayed. <laughs> <laughs> Like, fuck it, I ain't going with you. You just like, like outside. No, man. Yeah, he was so embarrassing. Even the rednecks were embarrassed of him. <laughs> that's pretty bad man that's pretty bad yeah so all right you've been doing comedy for how long now uh almost two years almost two years now when i first talked to you it was like shortly after you started yeah and uh you were talking about your first time at the is it the improv in it was San- at uh rooster tea feathers rooster tea feathers. all right yeah all right so you're talking about your first time now from when i first talked to you to now what like how far have you come? Like, have you received your say first paid gig? Have yeah. you, or what's next for you as well? Yeah. I mean, I've, you know, shortly after uh, rooster tea feathers, I did uh, the improv and then I did a couple other shows with uh, Phil Medina. Um, those ones paid. And, um, and then I jumped on with uh, Rivas Dunlap uh, at the improv with his raw comedy tour. And then from there I went to Jason Rogers and then, did that with that at uh, at the improv so i mean improv's pretty much been like my mother mother theater right okay uh, my home base and so it's been awesome i mean i've been getting paid i've been doing comedy um i got to headline the improv for the first time nice um which was awesome you know what i mean like that was like pretty um surreal did you get a writer and everything too or no. you like i want avian water yeah only green M&Ms. i changed twice <laughs> before i went on yeah <laughs> i pulled up in a fancy uber <laughs> um no you know i i went and I had a bunch of friends and family and uh, i had it professionally recorded very cool yeah yeah and, and and my buddy did it he did a great job and so i had a great show great turnout you know it was like 200 and something people there so um, I felt, you know, I was like, man, this is uh, this is awesome, and I I think like I could probably do this for the rest of my life. Like I, on, after I did that show, I did not want to go to work the next day. I'm like, okay, where's my next headlining gig? Oh wait, I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> where's my agent at? Oh wait, I don't have one. So um, and then I and then I got a uh, headlining gig at a winery, and that one that one paid really well, and they liked it, so they're gonna have me back. Awesome. And then um, now I just jumped on with um, with Kabir. I'm um, gonna do uh, punchline and and sack. Um, I've done that with him before, and then uh, I got uh, Tommy T's coming up. But um, I'm just trying to get as many shows as I can. I'm trying to hit open mics when I can. It's kind of hard because I have to fucking work every day, you know. And I got all yes. these goddamn kids, you know. So I spend a lot of time in my car commuting, talking through my jokes. Okay, that's like my open mic time. And I think I'm hilarious, so it's working out, you know, it's great. I wish I could do open mics every night like every, every other comic. And everybody who I've worked or opened with or, or who has given me advice, they're like, it's all about hitting open mics all the time. I fucking can't, you know? Yeah. Like, I have a house and, and I have a job and I got kids. Like, this doesn't work out. So my thing is just 
talking through my sets, talking through my jokes, constantly writing. Uh, all my writing is done in the gym. Like when I'm in the gym. Yeah. So, you know, as you can see from like my social media, I work out a lot. Yes. And, and so that's part of the reason why I can't go to open mics because <laughs> I work out. No. Um, yeah. So when I work out, uh, I'm thinking, I'm constantly thinking and, and it's kind of similar to like, you know, some people write when they're smoking weed, you know, cause it opens up that creative mm-hmm. doors, you know, all those endorphins are going, but that's the same thing with like lifting, you know, when I'm, when I'm lifting heavy, heavy weight, like, you know, you saw my video today, I was, you know, deadlifting 500 pounds. Yeah, I saw that, that opens that's up crazy. many doors too, you know, and, and that gets those endorphins flowing. And then you're able to like, I don't know, it gives you like clarity, you know, and, it, and you're able to like think really clear. The same thing with like sparring, you know, when I go spar after a hard day of sparring and kickboxing, um, the rest of the day is pretty clear. And I usually can do some pretty good writing, you know, and uh, I have two teenagers. So I just look at them for a half hour and that's a fucking joke in itself, <laughs> you know. And so now you're starting to sound like Bernie Mac earlier. You're like, I got all these damn kids. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. You know, I got 16 year old, a 14 year old and a one year old. You know, a little bit of a gap. A little bit, just a little bit. 14-year-old gap, you know? But <laughs> it's, um, that's pretty much where I get my material. I mean, my material, a lot of it comes from my past career. A lot of it comes from my transitioning into tech, working in the tech industry, which is fucking weird. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then just having a family, you know, and having a dad that was crazy. Like, my dad was crazy. You know, like he was like, he would hit us for nothing. And, uh, uh I mean, he's peaceful now. You yeah. Know, it's, it's, it's amazing. Like I'll yell at my kids and he's like, why are you yelling at them? I'm like, you used to hit us just because he's like, yeah, but you deserved it. I'm like, <laughs> no, we did it. Like we weren't even doing anything wrong. He's like, you did something. You I'm did. sure you did. I'm sure you did. I was just at work. So I would, he would hit us like just when he got home, like just a good old after the work beating, you know, <laughs> just to set us straight. But I laugh at that, but that's kind of fucked up. <laughs> it is. It is fucked up. But, it, you know, it made us, made me tough, you know? Yeah. So um, now where, where am I trying to see this thing go? Like I'm trying to put myself out there as much as I can. Um, I'm trying to get myself in a position to where, when when can I make this transition down the road? And and I'm I'm very impatient. So and part of my impatience has gotten me where I'm at, because when I first started doing open mics at Rooster Teeth Feathers on a Wednesday night, my four minutes of fame, uh, my first thing was okay, how do I get at the improv? You know, <laughs> and people were like, you got to be doing shit for like five years before you go over there. You know, and then. I just emailed a bunch of emails and then I got some guy who said, yeah, come on in. And then I did it, you know, and he was like, how long have you been in comedy? I'm like, two months. And he's like, <laughs> what the fuck are you emailing me for? I'm like, I don't know. I saw your email online. So I emailed you. He's like, yeah, you shouldn't even be here right now. But that's how I got my foot in the door. Exactly. So now, yeah, I'm only two years in. That's pretty new. Right. When you're looking at like comedy years. But my next goal is, okay. How can I get representation now? How can I start? How can I stop going to work every single day? That's my goal, right? Amen to that. I work. I make good money at Google. You know, I make good money there. But how can I stop doing that? Like, I don't want to do that anymore. You know what I mean? I want to like quit my job and I want to be home every day during the week and smoking weed and then just do comedy all the time. Like, that's the goal. So, however I got to do it, I'll figure it out. 
you know. All right, all right. So, how what steps are you taking to get an agent? Like, what have you done so far? Um, so I, I recorded that my video okay. um, of my, my my headlining gig, and so now I'm just finding avenues to try to put it out there. You know, trying to push it out there. I put it on Vimeo, and so now I'm just seeing who's gonna bite on it, who wants it. You know what I mean? Who wants to take a look at it? Who's interested? You know, and it's kind of weird because they say like you can't just contact an agent because they don't want to talk to you. They'll find you when they're ready. Yeah. You know, that's what they say. But I'm like, eh, I don't like waiting for people. You know, like I'll find them and then I'll ask them when I find them. Are you interested or not? You know, <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of my route. Okay. You know? All right. Kind of unconventional. So in addition to that, do you have any like say advice that you would like to give up and coming comics? Or comics that are maybe looking to take it from Rooster Tea Feathers to the improv, whether it's after two months or five years. Yeah, I think just um, set your goal. You know, you know, put the put the goal in front of you. Something that that you can see that's obtainable. Not just I want to be famous. That's pretty far fetched, right? Yeah, it's pretty far fetched. Like I wanted to go to improv. I got to improv. I wanted to headline improv. I headline improv. I want to get representation. That's my next goal. So set steps that are, you know, like, obtainable. Something that you can you can grasp onto it. You like know, smart goals. It's not a hard thing. Yeah, smart goals. You know, something that won't cripple you. You know, you don't want to be living in your car in downtown LA. You know, riding roller skates at Sonics just so you can try <laughs> to get a fucking gig. You know. Yeah, they do have good chili dogs. They do. <laughs> Their blizzards are bomb. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, all right, yeah, that's definitely good advice. So, like, is there anything that you would have done different up until now? Like, if you go back two years from now, is there something that you're like, oh, shit, if I would have known that, like, then? I probably would have started sooner. I think I would have started sooner instead of putting it off so long. Like, think, like it took me a while to make that leap to actually do it, you know, because it, it was just like, I'm going to get in front of people and, like, talk shit. Like, that's stupid. And I tried to, I guess, modify my work, you know, because I didn't want to be too dirty and I didn't want to say things that were kind of offensive because people don't like that nowadays. But um, you, you just can't. You can't hold back. Like, you yeah. just got to kind of be like you and let it flow out. And some people might get offended and some people will like it. And then the people who like it are the ones that follow you and the people who get offended are the ones who follow you and talk shit. So, <laughs> you know... <laughs> I'm willing to take both of them as long as they're both following me, you know. So I've kind of like upped my, you know, I put created like a comedy page, I, you know, pushing up my Instagram real hard, pushing up my Facebook and stuff like that. So just really trying to push myself out there now. And I think that I should have did that earlier on, um, but I'm catching up, catching okay. up. Yeah. That actually rolls right into my next question. What are you doing to promote yourself? So I have my, my comedy page, you know, Johnny Pena Comedy. Um, I started making T-shirts. Uh, JP comedy t-shirts they say laugh till death they got a little skull on them um, and then I got stickers and I'm working on creating a web page right now okay I got my Instagram so we're getting there we're getting there all right perfect man so is there anything that like you have found helped build a following um, I think just you know talking to people um, obviously social media helps a lot yeah tremendously social media helps tremendously and then just like taking the time to like after shows just chat with people and just go hang out and let them get to know you you know and, and let them see that you're you're a real person you're decent even though you probably said some off-color jokes up on stage <laughs> it's just 
because it's funny. Like, that's it. It's not because I'm really hurtful or hateful in any group. It's just, you know, I like saying funny shit, and I like making people laugh. It, it feels good to make people laugh, you know? And that's it. That's what Hell we're in yeah. this business. So, yeah, I think that's it. Just getting into this social media thing is, is the biggest thing, and doing stuff like this, like doing podcasts and, and, and trying to push myself out there as far as I can. All right, very good. Man. Building very a brand. Good. I'm trying to build my brand. Build a brand. Branding. Yeah. It, it sounds so easy. I know, but. right? <laughs> it's, All I got to do is put a Nike did it. Fuck. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm trying to build the Laugh Till Death brand. All right. Hell yeah. yeah. Laugh Till Death. That might be the name of this show. Yeah. This episode. That'd Laugh be awesome. Till Death. That's awesome. I think, we'll, I think we'll have to roll with that. Yeah. All right. So, I think I know what you're going to say for this next answer, but you may surprise me. What is a highlight or two uh, that you've had uh, so far throughout your career that you care to share? Which career? Which one? Oh, uh, through stand-up. Through stand-up. I, I think, like, uh, obviously, headlining the improv is, is a huge That's highlight. That's where I figured there. But I think just being able to work with a variety of different comedians from different areas, you know, like, working with guys who do this full-time has been pretty eye-opening. You know, like, these guys are out there just hitting comedy every single night you know that's what they do for a living and it's pretty like inspiring like man that's that's what i want you know i used to want to do this on the weekends i want to do this full time like what do i got to do to get that you know that's that's to me that's been a a big highlight you know and i I got to do like a music video and i was in a jockey like i put myself out there in some commercials and stuff like that so um try to i'm i'm coming in from all avenues you know i'm coming in like the like the flu How'd you get into there commercials? There is no vaccine for me, huh? How'd you get into commercials? I just signed up for one of those, like, casting boards, and then uh, they needed a homeless-looking guy, <laughs> and so I got the part. <laughs> I could probably pull that off, too. I yeah, got yeah. I going I was here, a street just... musician. I was a street musician, so kind of worked out because I actually play musical instruments. So, okay, very cool. Um, doing what I can to do, you know, with balancing out not going to work on certain days and calling in sick a lot and, uh, <laughs> you know, doing this stuff. So um, Google, if you're listening, I'm sure every time he I calls in just sick, kidding. he is sick. Yeah, had, I was absolutely the, sick. He had the microphone flu. I was working from home that day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, doing security from home. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, I'm a manager, so I was managing from home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I have cameras <laughs> all over. Yeah, I, places on lock. I got it. All right, all right. So now I have like two more questions for you before before we let you get to your show tonight. I don't want to keep you past that. I know, little time sensitive, but. Uh, when you are performing, when people come see you on stage, what do you want them to take away from the show or remember about the show? Um, that, you know, even something as serious and, and as taboo or frowned upon as like law enforcement is, you know, there's funny in it, you know, and the people that do it, the people that do these jobs, they're regular people, you know, and, and they're dealing with, with the craziest fucking situations that anybody could ever think of, you know, like seeing the craziest things. Nobody, nobody should see somebody's insides opened up, poured out, spread out over a highway, but we see it, you yeah. know, and, and I think that's a lot of the things that people don't understand. So I, I just want them to take away that, hey, you know, yes, there are some bad cops out there and there are some bad people, but in general, we're all pretty good. You know, we just, uh, we have a little fucked up sense of humor, you know, and then the other thing is that, you know, I'm just trying to get back to the way it used to be where you can just say whatever you want and people that find it funny can listen. The people that don't can turn it off, yeah. you know, and, and don't take it personal. It doesn't mean that I 
discriminate or hate any certain group because I make fun of them. It just means that I found something funny about what's going on and I'll put a little twist on it, you know? And, I, and, I, and that's what, one thing I do in my comedy now is I look at a lot of current events and I try to put a funny twist on it. It doesn't mean that I have anything against what's going on. Yeah. It just means that I think it's funny, you know? And, you know, I think that is something that's important for comedy to be able to speak what's not necessarily popular or politically correct. Yeah. You know, as soon as, like, like all the social justice warriors are out there, like, oh, Amy Schumer said this, so, uh, well, Michael Richards just went off the rails, but I'm not even, yeah. I'm not standing yeah. up for him. But, you know, like, I mean, a lot he, of the other comics who say stuff that are jokes, yeah, little, like, with humor to them, not just snapping on the crowd. I want to make sure they're, like, yeah. I'm drawing a line for myself there. If I say something, a racial joke and it's a joke that's a joke now if i get mad at you in the crowd and i say something racist to you then that's a racist statement right and i think that's the difference i mean you got to look at like back in the day when people were making art and painting this art they could paint like a titty on a canvas (laughs) right with a little boy underneath it with his peepee hanging out and that was fine you know like that was art that was back before they had clothes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they didn't. <laughs> the loincloths didn't cover much. But I mean, like, it's the same thing. It's like, that would be like, you know, because we say, titty, I'm a dirty comic, you know? Like, it's just, it's art. Some people like it, some people don't. If you don't like the titty art, don't look at it. Walk past it at the museum. Exactly. Right? Go look at all the squares and the triangles. The blurry shapes. Yeah, go look at like the blurry the shapes, dots. right? Yeah. Personally, I want to look at the titty art, right? So I think that's just wrong with titty kind art. of my comparison. It's just, it's art. If you don't like it, don't look at it or don't listen to it. But you, you might enjoy it if you just open your fucking ears and close your mouth for a little bit. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And now I'm now I'm in a debate with myself here. <laughs> what to name this show? Laugh till death or titty art? <laughs> <laughs> it's a toss up. It is. It is. All right. So one more question left. But before we get there, where can people find you online? What's your corner of the internet? Um, they can find me on Instagram at PenaJ13. They can find me at Johnny Pena Comedy for Facebook. Um, and uh, I will have a web page coming up soon, and I can throw that out there. And then uh, it'll have Laugh Till Death on it. All and, right. um, yeah, that's about it right now. All right. Very cool. Very cool. Johnny, thank you for uh, joining me again on Uncontained for the second time. Yeah, thank you I- for having me. Yeah, definitely, man. And I'm looking forward to checking out your show tonight right after we finish up this interview. But I have one more thing I have to do before we get to that. And that is ask you the title question of the show. So, Johnny Pena, how do you live uncontained? By doing whatever the fuck I want, being very competitive and just kicking ass in everything that I do. Well said. Few words, chosen words wisely, (laughs) and just nailed it right there. Final thing to do is sign off the show. Johnny, will you do me the honor of signing off the show today? Absolutely. I think that in all seriousness of this world, we need to laugh till death because that's the only thing that's guaranteed. My name is Johnny Pena, and I'm living uncontained. And enjoy the titty art. Titty art. And that does it for another episode of Uncontained. Thank you for listening, and thank you to Johnny Pena for revisiting Uncontained and meeting up with me right before his first responders of comedy show. So if you get a chance, check that out. I highly recommend it. And check out the show notes, too, which you can find at uncontainedpod.com. There's a show notes link at the top of the page, which you can click, and then you'll find all of Johnny's contact information, social media, and thank you for listening. And as always, live uncontained.